0: How's everybody doing? All right, how are you? Good, good, good. As Shelly said, we are... I'm going to do a, a shortened version of my message, cause, uh, um, but we're going to get the same message in. I'm just going to not share as many scriptures today, but uh, I am glad to share the God's Word, and I'm glad to be up here. It's been a few weeks, and so I am glad to be back behind the pulpit, and I feel like God has put a, a message in by heart for us as we are... Moving through this sabbatical, and we've had many guest speakers, and we've had many people coming, giving input, I want to tell you that all the speakers that have come have met with me privately, and they are saying, guys, God is doing a work of the Spirit here at this church. There is something going on, and um, he, they all encouraged us that we need to keep pressing into the presence of God, and I just thank God for what He is doing, and uh, it takes all of us to fulfill the purpose of God. Amen. And I just want to encourage you to keep pressing in in your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to continue even in that book that we began on the sacred rhythms and and getting into the presence of God in our home and and, and resolving dissonance within our relationships. And in this last month as we press in, we are getting our song back. And I know God is wanting to get our, our song back as Tom is even in the process of getting his song back As God's working on his heart and doing a work in him, I believe God is doing a work in us. Can I have an amen on that? Can I have another amen? Amen. Amen. So today's message is going to be titled, yes, getting our song back. But in the message of getting our song back, um, we have to know who our song is about. And if our song is about us, I believe we will lose our song if it is about us and not about him. Can I have an amen on that? And so part of us getting our song back is about getting who we sing about. And as the Lord showed himself off today, and as we glorified him, and as we exalted his name today, there was a returning to the song of this house even today. And uh, thank you for participating with the God's presence. But if we... If we focus on Jesus, I believe we will, there will be a song that comes from our life and that we don't have to force it to, to come forth, it just comes forth. And so today I'm gonna, we're going to begin to dive into the book of John and start to unpack John kind of line by line, verse by verse, uh, and we're going we're gonna to discover our song through discovering more of who Jesus is. And I'm really excited about today's message. I'm not going to get through it all. We're going to just get through a few of the verses today. But we're going to get through the most important part of the book of John. So if you have your Bibles with you or your electronic Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of John, chapter 1. That is the reading uh, plan that we were on this week. That was the chapter we were to read. And uh, I'm going to begin to just dive into it. You know, when you get born again, when you first get saved, if somebody comes to me And they ask me, where should I start reading? I always point them to the book of John. Because John does a great job of declaring who Jesus is. And, uh, but I, 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 it's just the book to go to. And as I've been studying it this last couple weeks and preparing and asking God, God, what do you want me to share? I feel like there's one point I'm going to make today. There's one point that you're going to take home today. And it's going to be something that you need to activate your faith on. So let's just jump in today. I I, I want to give us a little brief history about the book of John before uh, I get into reading it. Um, the book of John was written almost 2,000 years ago. It is a historic book. Everybody say historic book. historic book. You know, when we look at the Bible, the Bible and what all the different books that are in the Bible, they are a really a huge history book that has been passed. it is the oldest manuscript ever found now there are some other things that have been found that are there are there are books that there there are there are books that are written on 14 karat gold and imprinted about stuff of the past but you know our bible goes back almost 3000 4000 years Uh, of the writing of the Bible, and it's really an awesome privilege that what you have in your hands today that we take for granted is is historic fact about what has taken place in history, and it's amazing. And so the book we have here is almost 2,000 years old that we're getting ready to read today. And John, the Apostle John, is the one who has written this book. He's written this book to both Jews and Gentiles. There's not a specific church that he's written it to, and there's not a specific people that he's writing this book to. But he is writing this book to everyone, and he wants everyone to know who Jesus Christ is. So when we read the book of John, we're getting a history of who Jesus was, the things that Jesus did, and we get an eyewitness as to Jesus' life. And so it's a powerful, powerful book. And so this book was written in about 85 to 95 AD, historians don't know exactly the time that it was written, but if Jesus, you know, died in the 30 to 35 AD area, this book is written some 55 to 60 years after Jesus has died and resurrected. And so John has had a long time, the Apostle John has had a long history of his relationship with Christ and and, and his his work as a preacher of the Word of God. And John is a very, very, we we need to know a little bit about John as we get into reading this book. Uh, When John first came to know Christ, he was first following John the Baptist, So John the Apostle was following John the Baptist, and John the Baptist's ministry was a forerunner ministry. He was declaring in the wilderness, uh, he was a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. And as John was following John the Baptist, then John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we read this in the first chapter of John. And John the ba- Baptist points then to Jesus. And John the Apostle then begins to follow Jesus because it is revealed to him that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And John the Apostle now begins to follow uh, Jesus. And you read it about it in John chapter 1. How old do you think John the Apostle was? Do we have any 19-year-olds in here? If you're 19 years old, would you please stand up? 19 to 20. Okay, Asher's age. Liz's age. Kara's age. Just imagine the Apostle John is your age. Do we have any 15-year-olds in here? Do we have any 15 to 16-year-olds? Will you stand up, please? 15 to 16-year-olds. Can you imagine the disciples were your guys' age? Anywhere from 15 to 25 in that range of age. You guys can be seated. That when Jesus is coming to the apostle John, he's a young man. He's actually him and his brother, James and John, their brothers, were called sons of thunder. Thunder. Why do you think they were called Sons of Thunder? They were probably 19-year-old wild guys. They probably put their mouth, They probably opened their mouth before they thought it through. It was John the Apostle that actually said, Hey, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy this city? And Jesus said, No, 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 dude. Hey, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And so he was bold, he was was a young man, and all the the apostles were young men. Peter was probably the oldest one, he was probably in the 22 to 24, because he was married. And uh, possibly Bartholomew, who is also called Nathaniel, he might have been older as well, but we don't know exactly their ages. But we do know that these men were young men. And what generation are we wanting to reach as we get our song back? I want to follow some of the same patterns that Jesus, he took some young guys with him and he pulled them to himself and then all of a sudden some young girls started coming, Mary Magdalene and some of these other chicks started following too. And he was reaching a young generation, which is what we're called to do too. The old generation, we we, we want to reach down younger, don't we? It's not that the old generation is not important. Dear God, we need you. We're part of the spiritual fathers and mothers to bring up this generation, right? So John the Apostle is now 60 years older when he's writing this. And now he's about 80 years old. Is Alice Cook here by chance? Is there anybody 80 years old here? Oh, Wayne, you're not 80, are you? Man, you look good for 80, buddy. Wayne Graham. So now the Apostle John is now went from asher's age to now he's wayne graham's age and he's now writing this book that we're getting ready to read he's had 60 years to spend time with jesus jesus has died and resurrected and all this and now john's wanting to tell something very very important he wants to put it down in history why do you think he waited 60 years to write the book you ever thought about that I've often wondered why, why was Mark, Mark was written probably about 40 years after Christ's death, Mark was uh, the first one, the first of the Gospels written, Matthew was written about 55 years after the death of Jesus, Uh, John was later, and uh, Mark, let's see, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke was actually around 90 AD, so about, you know, 60 years or so afterwards as well. But I really got to thinking about this. Number one, the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God, right? So the Holy Spirit evidently hadn't put it on their hearts yet, but you got to remember what these guys thought was going to happen. They thought Jesus was actually going to come back quickly and set up the earthly kingdom. They, before Jesus died, thought the earthly kingdom was going to come now, right? But that's not what happened. And so what ended up happening was the tarrying of Jesus' return was lasting a lot longer. And I believe they did not want to lose, and the the Spirit of God was prompting their heart to put down in history. Can you imagine if the book of John was not written? Can you imagine if you did not have the book of John? Or Matthew? Or Mark? Or Luke? Or Ephesians? These books are history, guys. These These are amazing books and the Apostle John has changed from the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love because the power of God has transformed his life, and he is now an apostle who is declaring the goodness of God, and he has become an apostle of love. So when we read this historic book, I want us to really value and really honor the Word of God. I I see why some churches have people stand when they read the Word because it's this posture of honoring the Word of God. We have, as a church, we have got to honor the Word of God more than we currently are. Can I have an amen? Amen. The Word of God is amazing. It's precious. And it's been passed down through thousands and thousands of years to us. And we take it way too lightly. So the book of John's purpose. The book of John, he tells us what his purpose is. The book is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in him. And so John is recording the history of Jesus Christ as an eyewitness to what had happened, and John is writing to the world, and he is giving us direction. And John is a lot different than the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those three pretty much tell the same story. They talk about the birth of Christ. They talk about all the things about Jesus' life. And they talk about parables. John's book doesn't use any parables. John's book doesn't use any of the same. uh, There's only two miracles that John uses that the other synoptic gospels use. And John talks about seven I am statements. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the, uh, I am, uh," he, he gives seven I am statements about who Jesus is. And he talks about seven characteristics of God and his actions and what he does through his miracles. And so John the Baptist, or John the Apostle, his book is a lot different than the other three. And so where I wanted to go, and before I read the next scripture, I still want to talk a little bit more about John the Baptist. Because the Apostle John, excuse me, there's so many Johns in the Bible. (laughs) I mean, there's John who is the son, or is the father of, of James and John. There, there, is, uh, there is John the Baptist. There's John the Apostle. There's another John who's a dad of another guy. And it's like, there's a lot of John. So when you're reading the Bible, you need to figure out what John that you're reading about because it makes a big difference because even in this text, in chapter one, when we get into it, it talks about John. And if you think he's talking about the Apostle John, he's not. He's actually talking about the, the John the Baptist. But John the Apostle, is called the, the the one whom Jesus loved. He's the one who leans on Jesus's shoulder a lot. He's part of the threesome. He's part of the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. James and John are brothers. And Peter, what we don't realize is those three guys were close before Jesus ever called them. Those guys were fishing buddies. Those guys were in business together with their, uh, with their father, Zebedee. And so all Peter, James, and John, they were already friends. They were already working together in the fishing business when Jesus calls these guys. And so... Apostle, the apostle John, he sees Jairus's daughter get raised from the dead. He sees the feeding of the 5,000. He sees the garden of Gethsemane. And he calls Peter, James, and John to the garden and says, wait here and pray. As he goes and prays, he sees the sweat blood. He sees all the things that Jesus goes through. John saw all the stuff, guys. And church history says that John the Apostle, was probably the first cousin of Jesus. It, it, church history shows that Salome, which was John the Apostle's mother, she was probably the sister of Jesus' mother, Mary. And so now we don't only have three buddies like Peter, James, and John, but we now have John the Apostle, who is probably the first cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist is second cousins to Jesus. Because his mother, John the Baptist's mother, was Elizabeth, and Mary went to see her cousin, Elizabeth, whenever she was pregnant with Jesus. So we're talking about a family affair here. We're talking about cousins. Now, does anybody have any cousins in this room? My dad and mom, my dad comes from a family of 14. You think I have any cousins? I got cousins I don't know. I got cousins coming out my nose. I got cousins I don't even know. Does anybody have a cousin? Yes. Does anybody have an older cousin? Yes. I was thinking about when I was praying this, I was thinking it was like it would be like Nathan Hughes thinking that Cole Hughes is the son of God. <laughs> think about that. It's, I mean, think about John the Apostle believing that his own cousin is the Lamb of God. That takes away the sins of the world. Come on, put yourself in that situation just a moment. How many would believe that of your cousin? What would it take to convince you that your own family was the son of the living God? I've got a lot of cousins that respect me as a pastor, but I promise you they ain't going to call Eric the son of the living God. Matter of fact, with our family, what do we do? We actually do the opposite. It is harder to convince the family of your identity and your your value in Christ than it is anybody else. Matter of fact, in family, even when our family gets born again, we're going, "Mm -hmm." we're actually drawing them down, not building them up. Would you agree with that? So think of the miracle that John the Baptist and the Apostle John actually believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and that John the apostle is now making a record in history. He's putting his life on the line. He's putting it all out there and he's getting ready to tell you and I this story that we're getting ready to read. That's powerful to me. And we, as people of God, we must take literally what John is saying today. And I want to make a one big point before we leave today. Because John makes this huge declaration in John chapter 1. And I know that's a long introduction. And we're only going to get through about 10 verses maybe. But I want to now, I want to set the stage of what this man, this apostle John, who is now in his 80s. Is giving you and I a gift, a revelation, an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Because if we're gonna get our song back, we gotta know that we know that we know who Jesus is because our song is about him. Can I have an amen on that? So let's look at what John says now. The cousin of Jesus, I'm believing that's who he was. Lots of debate out there. You can put whatever you want in your pipe and smoke it. I believe he was the cousin. There's just so much proof in the word. So let's look at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. We're going to read this pretty quick because we're a little short on time. And so John begins with the beginning. And John begins to talk about Jesus in this way. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, which was Israel, the Jew but his own did not receive him. Yet to all, all who did receive him, which were the Gentiles and some Jews, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but, the, but born of God. The word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God, may you add your blessing to the reading of your holy word. Thank you, God, for this word in Jesus' name. So let's start with the phrase, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John takes us all the way back. To the beginning. He takes us all the way back to creation in Genesis chapter 1 and begins introducing to us the person that is called the Word, the Logos. The Greek word there is Logos for the Word. If you'll notice, the word is capitalized. Y'all see that? There's a reason it's capitalized because the Word is representing a person, and the person is Jesus Christ that he's beginning to describe. Jesus is the Word. Everybody say that with me. Jesus is the Word. Jesus was with God, and Jesus, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so, this person, Jesus, called the Word, was in the beginning, and he was with God, and he was God. Everybody say he was God. So, in Genesis chapter one, we're going to go a little further in Genesis. Because this is the doctrine of the Trinity that, that first shows up in Genesis chapter 1, but is also confirmed in what we're reading in John chapter 1. Because in the creation story, the creation history of mankind, the Spirit of God was there hovering over the earth, and Jesus was there, and the Father was there. And it, say, and it says in 126, let us, everybody say us, make mankind in Our image, everybody say our image. In our likeness. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them what? Well, in our culture, that's in question. I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but God has made both male and female. Can I have an amen? Amen. And so... In this passage, in Genesis chapter 1, we see the first mention of the doctrine of Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were together in the beginning. The Godhead, three in one. And trust me, it's a mystery. I've heard people talk about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as ice, as a triangle. Dear God, all of them fall so short of describing our God, three in one. Can I have an amen on that? I can't even tell you how it all works out. This is not a message on the Trinity. I'm just trying to point to what John is saying. John is saying that Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was part of creation. Jesus created all that you see. Oh, amen. Amen. Jesus is God. Yeah, that's right. In the beginning was Jesus, is how we could say that. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And so the big point that you're going to take home today and you're going to talk about and you're going to talk with your family is this big point today is Jesus is God. Say it with me. Jesus is God. Now, when I was a young Christian, I really struggled with this. I'll never forget having an argument with somebody because I was young and dumb. Anybody ever been young and dumb? Thought I knew everything. I was probably 19 to 22 in that neighborhood. I had been saved for maybe four to five years. And this discussion comes up about Jesus being God. And I said, no, dude. God is God. Jesus is his son. Because we have this, the, the language of sonship, we have only what we see in our natural world. I have a son named Joel and Abraham. You know, I, I'm, they're not as equal as me, if you might say. And so I argued and struggled with this fact of Jesus being God. But I want to I want to I want to I want to lay a foundation for us today because as we're getting our song back and as this world is moving away from the truth that Jesus is God, we have got to know. Young people, you've got to know your word. And you've got to know because one third of evangel- evangelicals are now believing that Jesus is not God. And, and, and the church is moving away from this doctrinal truth, this theological truth that Jesus is God. And I want to begin to point to the Word of God today. And I'm going to, I'm, and, and, and though John tells it beautifully, how he's with God and how he created all things, and that the earth and creation was created by Christ and that he was with God in the beginning, we're going to prove through the Word of God through many scriptures today. And I'm going to, I'm going to hit the mountaintops. You guys ready to hit some mountaintops? All right, let's do it. Let's look at these about Jesus being God. <clears throat> John 1:18 No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is what God. Say it again who is himself God. Who is himself God. and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known Isaiah 9:6 Now if you think well that's just New Testament that's just John well let's go another 700 years Before John, now we're in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And what did the Old Testament say and prophesy about the son that was to come? The child to be born shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everybody say Mighty God. God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah the prophet, declared what was going to come 700 years prior to even Christ being birthed as a son. A begotten son, born of a virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Ghost and power. God incarnate and brought into the flesh. Isaiah said, hey, it's going to happen. So that the Jews would understand that once he did come on the scene, they would have a scripture that showed that he was almighty God. He was God in the flesh. You want some more? We're going to hit these. I'm not going to explain them in depth right now because I don't have enough time. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in Hebrews 1.3, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his power. The word exact representation means the very essence of God, the very essence of who he is. He is God. Romans 9.5, there's And this scripture is talking about Israel being the patriarchs, that Jesus was born into the lintage of the Jew. And so he says, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Let's read that. Who is God over all. Who is God over all. That Jesus came through the Jewish lintage, and was born as a man, he was both God-man, he was both God, and he was both man. Who is God over all? John 10, 30. The Father, Jesus said this, I, the Father, and I are one. Everybody say that. The Father and I are one. Philippians 2, 5-6. through 6, Let me get closer to my notes so I don't get too far because I'm going to skip some stuff here shortly. Philippians 2, 5 through 6. You must have the same attitude, so he's talking to us, that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. What does that say? Though he was God... He did not consider equality with God. He, Jesus, though being God, he yielded himself to the Father. He listened to the Father. The Father exalted the Son. The Son exalted the Father. The Holy Spirit exalted the Father. The Holy Spirit exalted the Son. It was a beautiful dance, is all I can say. They were a family. They were three, but yet one. Beautiful, 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 beautiful couple more, and then we're going to land some planes because of time. Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Anybody glad they've been brought to fullness? I'm being brought to fullness even as we speak, right? He is the head over every power and every authority. So again... The word of God expressing that Jesus was deity. He was God within bodily form. And in 1 John 5, 20, he is the true God and he is eternal life. Oh, Jesus, may we not take you lightly. Now, most religions, so I just want to say, so the point we say, Jesus is God. Say that with me. Jesus is God. You're going to get an opportunity to declare you believe that at the end of service. Jesus is God. Now, most religions acknowledge Jesus. Do you realize that? Most religions acknowledge that Jesus existed, but not all religions acknowledge that he is God. Now, I want to give you a brief list of some of the religions and what they believe, because it's important to know. The Mormons do not believe in the Trinity, and they do not believe Jesus was the Son of God. Or they do not believe that Jesus was God. They believe he was the Son of God, but they believe that he was created and he was the firstborn spirit child of God. And that Lucifer was also a spirit born child, and he was the brother to Jesus. Now, twisted Lucifer fell, and Jesus didn't. Jesus obeyed and became the son of God on the earth, and Lucifer fell from heaven. They believe he was created, but they do not believe he was God. So that's part of what the Mormons believe. They believe Jesus is the firstborn of many sons. They believe he is a separate being from God, and he, he does not share divine essence with God. So that's why we call it a cult. We believe it's false teaching. A cult is false teaching. And so it's important to know that the, of what's out there. Another one is Jehovah Witnesses. They believe Jesus is firstborn son of God, created by God as well. He is not a part of the Godhead or the Trinity and that he is not God. Although they honor him and believe in him. do not believe he is God. Unitarians do not believe that Jesus is God. Judaism, the Jews, they do not believe Jesus is God. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. Now there are Messianic Jews who have believed, and they are Jews, but they believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus is God, and we call them Messianic Jews. But Jews in Israel today do not believe that Jesus is God. Muslims, they believe Jesus is a prophet but not God. Jesus is in in their their Bible. He was a prophet like Muhammad, but they do not believe Jesus was God. See, Jesus being God is the separating factor, is what it is. Hindu, believe Jesus is one of many gods. Buddhist, Believe Jesus is one of many gods. Little g. Not big g, but little g. Not big w word, little w word. Okay? And so it's really, really important that we understand this because many people say they believe. But the the separating thing is, do you believe that Jesus is God? In our faith, What we declare here at New Covenant, what we believe, is that Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. He came, left heaven as God, and came supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit, and was conceived in Mary, and he is God, and he is the Son of God and the Son of Man, because he was both God and man. That's what we believe. And I would go through uh, lots of other scriptures, but for the sake of time today, I can't. And as I said earlier, the Lifeway research found that one-third of evangelicals do not believe Jesus is God. And 65% of those evangelicals believe that he is the greatest being ever created by God. I believe Jesus is the self-existent one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what the Bible says and the scriptures that I shared. If you want any of the other scriptures, text me and I'll make sure I send them to you. Because you need to know what you believe. Teenagers, every one of you need to know that Jesus is God. And you need to know that truth. He is the Word. He is God. And only God creates things. I don't know if anybody has ever, ever created anything from nothing besides God. And he was with God in the beginning. He would create it, and I was going to go into that, but we're going to pass that for now. I loved what Oswald Sanders said. I quote him, If Jesus is not God, then there is no Christianity. And we who worship him are nothing more than idolaters. If Jesus is not God, we are still lost in our sin. And so, the truth is, Jesus is God. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and Jesus created all things in the beginning. Now, what I want you to do, I want everybody to close your eyes, and I'm going to read the scripture that I started with. I'm going to read it over us slowly. And I want you to engage your heart on this this, this, this point that I made today, I know I'm cutting my message really, really short, but it's still the same essence, is that Jesus is God. But listen to the word of God from John the Apostle, as John the Apostle had seen and known and declared and was making known that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but that Jesus is God. Close your eyes with me and listen to Job John, describe it from 2,000 years ago. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but we are born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Keep your eyes closed for a moment, please. I have a question for you. Today, do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe it? If we're going to get our song back, Part of it is knowing who our song is to. Today, do you believe Jesus is God? Tell the Lord what you believe right now. Keep your eyes closed for a moment. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, when we say, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, the word Lord there literally means master, owner, ruler, God. If you believe Jesus is God, if you believe he is owner, master, ruler, creator, if you believe Jesus is Lord, That if you declare with your mouth that you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. And what I want to do while everybody's eyes are closed, is there anyone here today where you have not personally, publicly declared with your mouth that Jesus is God, that he is Lord? Would you just stand up for me? If you want to declare him as Lord, if you're here today and you want to make Jesus Lord, you want to declare he is Lord, I would just want you to stand up. We're all going to stand up shortly. But if you're here, I just want to see you so that I can pray for you. Is there anyone here you've never publicly declared Jesus is God? He is Lord. And you want to declare that today. And you want to believe in your heart that he is God. I want to lead you through a prayer today. Thank you for standing up. Is there anybody else going to be bold enough to stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. He is God. Thank you for standing up. Anyone else want to stand up and proudly declare that Jesus Christ is God. He is Lord. We have three people who are standing, making declaration. Now, all you others, is there anybody else? will we all please stand and let us declare with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is God to the praise of his glory. Can you declare it with your mouth even now? Ashley, I want you to get the worship team up here because we're going to do some songs. But I just want you to declare, Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are Lord. I believe with my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And because of that, I am saved. Come on, get excited about it. We have three people declaring it for the first time publicly. But we as a church are declaring it publicly, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is God, manifest in the flesh, and he is God. Amen. And we're going to sing this song, and I just want those three people, we are not going to embarrass you. I'm going to help you walk through, making the declaration from your mouth that Jesus is God, he is Lord, and I'm going to help you, not embarrass you, I'm going to help you Make a confession out loud today that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God, and you will be saved, is what the Bible says. So let's start this song as the worship team. And if you guys would just let's worship the Lord, and you three brave people that stood up, I'm going to meet you over here, and I'm going to walk you through declaring that Jesus Christ is God and he is Lord. Can I have an amen on that? God bless you. Amen. Go ahead, worship team.